excited about the book of James also. We have uh, some other people that are going to help me this morning in reading the passages of Scripture. So I would like to have the Matusik kids, Sam and Evie. Evie? Evie? Is that Evangeline? Is that your mic? Okay. Say what? We're going to move this out of the way so y'all can kind of be near each other. But I found out actually first about the memory process that uh, of memorizing the entire book of James, which I kind of made it halfway into and petered out. But I was encouraged by that whole process from these guys. And there's uh, this uh, a pig online named Loab. And Loab has memorized the entire book of the Bible, and these guys inspired me, so I wanted them to share a little bit of what they've learned. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to check your sound out there, Sam? Testing. <laughs> Hi. Hi. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes of the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. (laughs) (laughs) For you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So let steadfastness have its full effect, so that you can be perfect, complete, Lacking in nothing. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who should give generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, and unsteady in all of his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. And the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower in the grass, he will pass away. The sun rises with its scorching heat, it withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also the rich men fade away with all of his pursuits. Blessed is he who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Bow. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Okay, so Sam and Evie are throwing down. Isn't that wonderful? So that passage that they just read is something that... How many of you... This is a pretty familiar passage, like something over the course of your life. Count it all joy. Anybody in here? I've sung, Susan and I were remembering songs from 30 years ago. Count it all joy. It's a woman named Jenny Grind that wrote music way, way back, and uh, it brought back good memories for us. And it's interesting to me, James's voice at this time. So this is a man who 
was uh, uh, the half-brother of Jesus. He's an apostle in Jerusalem. He's someone that has seen the early church emerge, and he's walked through many, many problems. And what does he say to these people? It's in a general letter, it's going out to the body of Christ. He's probably dealt with he's phenomenal difficulties. Again and again, persecution in the church. All the, the, the challenges that are happening in the, the beginning of this church, count it all joy. Now, there are some things that are said here that, that are really, really basic for what we need to understand in our faith. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. When he says, count it all joy, he's, he's doing that out of a depth of life and experience. He's not just kind of patting people on the head and saying, no, 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 everything's fine. So I'm, I'm going to give us a little bit of a breadth of the, this general message to me that, that James addresses that is core to answering questions that we have on a, on a regular basis in our lives. Now, the, the two key passages that I'm uh, focusing on are number two, the, uh, the, second chap, the second verse. It's interesting to me. So I, I've been through multiple different translations as I look at the book of James. And what I've been focusing on recently is the English Standard Version because that's what this memory plan is in. And so I get into it, and I'm saying steadfastness, no perseverance. So, you know, which word is that? Was that weight in the situation? So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm trying to, to quote this, but I'm going back and forth between translations. So hold with me. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So that's right after the greeting, that's the verse. And then there's a rebuke uh, for the double-minded, there's a request related to wisdom, and then there's understanding of how the brevity of life gives us perspective on wealth. And then we have a very similar verse that comes in 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 the 12th verse. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has passed the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised for those who love him. So, here are the basic common questions that this deals with. Number one, well, some of the questions that we, 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 we face are like, how do I deal with difficulty in this life? I'm having challenges. Is, is there something wrong with me? Is there something I've done wrong? Did I, did I miss the memo somewhere? What's going on? And how should I respond when difficulty comes in my life? And then where is hope if in, in this world where things are not just? So I've got a couple of slides, and I've gotten this actually out of some of this, this basic idea is out of a, a book that is related to pastoral care for missionaries. And uh, it's, to me, it's, it's interesting because the, the message here is very relevant for people that have extended themselves, extended their faith in serving God. 
and everything did not go okay. They had great plans, they had great intentions, they got out there, and they hit hardship. And so, what does James say to them? What, what are we saying? Number one, we live in a chaotic world. It's a crazy place. It's broken. It's fragmented. And number two, God has guidance for us in how we respond to this environment. There's a, a way that He is giving us understanding. If you, if you get this in your mind, this is how you respond in the midst of whatever's happening in your life, whatever challenge you're in. We're all in the middle of different challenges in different ways. God has wisdom for us that will bring us to His ultimate goal for our life. So these three pieces, world's crazy, it's broken, it's chaotic, but He has wisdom for us in the middle of whatever you're experiencing in order to bring us toward a desired goal. Now, all of the detailed questions are not answered. But the big pieces here that God has for us are something that can give us a grid for understanding to begin with, when, with no matter what's happening in your life. So I'm going to start at the end. I'm going to start at the third piece. What is the goal? The goal is the crown of life. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive something. There's going to be a result after you pass the test, a crown of life. In the second verse, it's saying there's something that's going to happen. When you stand the test, it's going to have this work in you. And that is, it's saying, perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Ultimately, this perfect, complete, lacking in nothing is in eternity, okay? We're in process in this life. So, if you're just wondering, you know, looking around the room, like, where, is that the perfect, complete, lacking in nothing over there, or is, is that one over there, the perfect, you know, somebody, who's, who's passed this test, and like they're on the other side, and everything's just perfect and complete and lacking in nothing? Well, This is the vision. This is the goal that God is putting out in front of us. And this perfection is the fully mature character of Jesus. This is the character of God. When we look at the Bible, there's a a couple of different lists of these. In in, uh, Romans, excuse me, Galatians chapter 5, we see the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Good job. It's what we see in the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels. There's this, this ultimate goal that God has us moving toward, is, is a development of His character and His purpose in our life. And then there's this, this other thing, a crown of life. And without getting too far into this, I just want to tell you, there are places of authority. There are crowns. There is 
There is authority that God has for people that have passed tests, that have walked through difficult places and did it in a way where their expression and attitude toward God was faith and joy and consistency, and it brought authority in their life. There's a, a place where they walk through a difficulty, whatever that is, and you just go, wow, this person knows what they're talking about. This is not just an opinion that they have. There is a crown of life. There's authority. <clears throat> so, James starts off very optimistic when he's talking about this goal, right? Count it all joy. Woo! All right. You got something hard going on? Excellent. <laughs> this is good. So, I, I, I think of a picture of two little boys, and I heard this story. I think it was in junior high the first time I heard this. The difference between an optimist and a pessimist. There's two little boys. One's the pessimist. And the pessimist, on his birthday, got a pony. I mean, this is the ultimate dream. He, he didn't live in New York. So, he, you know, he lived in the country somewhere. So it was a blessing. It was a wonderful thing. He got a pony. But when he saw the pony, he just said, oh, look at all the manure that's already coming out right here. What a mess this is going to be. Oh, my. I've got a pony. This is a disaster. But the optimist little boy, on his birthday, he runs out and in the yard is this mountain of horse manure. And what does he do? He just runs and dives headfirst in it and says, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> so James is saying, when you find the mess in life, There is a way to be optimistic, no matter what that is, and count it all joy. For you know where you're going. You know what the goal is. That's where the joy is. It's, it's you're going somewhere. That God is not finished with you. You're not stuck. How many, just Every once in a while, just say amen. You got this thing like, where I am right now, is not forever. Whatever this thing is I'm dealing with, this is not forever. Any graduate students, this is not forever. Okay? There is an end to the trials and tribulations and persecutions. And for the professors that are giving those persecutions, there's grace on you too. And there are, there are other places... Romans 5.3 is a parallel verse that not only that it says, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance, character, character, hope, and hope doesn't disappoint. So we have a goal that we're moving toward. And uh, there is something precious that's happening in the life of a person that's going through difficulty. Now, uh, I'm not sure what your experience is in this realm, but over the course of my life, I've learned that people that are going through really hard things are getting something precious. I have a, a friend 
uh, his name's, he passed away. His name is Daryl Atwood. And while he had, he had prostate cancer, which seemed simple at first, but over a 10-year process, his life went through multiple stages. And it was amazing to me. It was a privilege to be with Daryl. I didn't, some people thought, oh no, he's sick, he's complicated, what am I going to do? I knew if I got to spend any time with him, I was going to be blessed. There's something deep. He saw past temporary. He saw past small stuff in life that we are so much struggling with and dealing with because he was, he was dealing with at deeper and deeper and deeper levels of eternity. So when people go through difficult things, don't be afraid. And you don't have to fix it either. You don't have to make it better. And Counting it all joy is not pretending. We're not saying, I don't have any problems, or this is not a big deal. In one sense, yes, in perspective to the goal. So turn to the next slide. What are the trials that we're going through? Now, so in this chaotic life, we're not, what James is basically saying is, it's going to be okay. A biblical perspective of suffering is that this is common. What's happening in your life, what's happening in so many people's lives, you are not uniquely picked out for punishment. There is a place... Now, your, unique, your specific situation is not what everybody else is going through, okay? We all have a different flavor of this, a different type of dynamic happening in our lives. But we're all experiencing something. <clears throat> so, this word trial, and, and it's, uh, I think in the King James is temptation, uh, it's test. So, it's, it's actually a very broad word, which could mean, and this is what James was talking to a number of people about, was spiritual persecution. When you're in the middle of this kind of trial, count it all joy. But it also could mean any difficulty, whether physical, emotional, relational, or spiritual. So, uh, my wife and I lived in Indonesia for 10 years, and we worked as missionaries over there, and a typical thought for a, a missionary, and, and I, I'm thinking of some people actually that, were, that did work in Afghanistan in the 90s. And <clears throat> when they, they were expelled from the country right before 9-11, many of them got out just with the, what they could carry in their hands. And they felt guilty that they had not suffered enough because they knew people that had suffered more than them. So, there's a bit of a confusion. What trials really count? What kind of a, a, 
an initial stew do I need to have in my life in order to get to this ultimate goal? So again, I'm saying it really applies to anything. It could be a relationship conflict. There is a trial related to that. It could be just an emotional situation in your life. It could be a physical sickness. It could be a place of financial issues that you're dealing with, or even the spiritual dynamic that you're confused by. That's what we start with. That is the trial. And it could even, your trial could actually be something that comes in your life because of poor choices that you've made. And you think, I just deserve to be kicked. I just deserve this punishment. But there are people who've made choices that ended them up in jail, and they've been able to look back and count it all joy and say, God used that to completely shift my life. It was a turning point. So, think about your life right now. What's going on? Whatever the rub is, you have the beginning point for something that can move you toward the character of God. So, count it all joy. There's a um, Disney, I think it's a Disney movie, Wally. Is that Pixar? So that's a picture of people that do not have problems. They end up floating around in tubes, passively, unable to move. So this is Disney's fearful future of uh, the, the effect of the Internet on our lives totally controlled by some outside source. So, problems actually are what are required in order to bring development. So, count it all joy. Why would we count it all joy? Because in the middle of that thing, we're in an opportunity that qualifies us to be developed in Christ-like character. So, in the trials though, back up. We always want to ask why, right? Why did this happen? Uh, sometimes something happens in our life, and it's, it's like a, a car wreck. You, you just, you're stuck there for weeks. Like, if I'd only turned left, if I'd have woken up three minutes later, if I'd have not uh, turned the channel, on the, you know, if there's something, there's got to be something that I could have done in my life to have avoided this problem. Why did this happen to me? But, and we also think, is God not pleased with me? So much of the world, when they think about problems, they move to a place of saying, I'm being punished, or God is the one who does these type of things. So there's a, a simple piece of theology here. We all, that you may have heard many times, but in order to remove problems from the world, God would have to take away every one of our free will. In order, you know, why does God allow problems? Because He's allowed you to make choices. And He can't take away, He's not taking away your ability to choose right or wrong, 
And he's not taking away another person who may do harm to you. He's not taking their will away. But it's what we do in the middle of that will. Do you understand that? Without a free will, there's, we end up in Wally world. Without a free will, we end up in a place where there's no development, no opportunity for us to begin to freely choose to love and to choose this goal that I want to be like you, God. I want to be like you. Now, so what's more important? Or what is... Again, these are not shallow things that I'm saying right now. But what, what James is saying is, what do you want more? My character? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Or do you want whatever challenge it is that you're facing that is difficult? And he's using those things and saying, I really really want to be like you, Lord. I take this challenge that I'm in and I say, I want you. Now, asking why this happens isn't helpful, but what does he do? He says, you can ask for wisdom. Don't ask why, ask how. Lord, I need your wisdom. And he said, I'll pour it on you generously. I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know why this is happening. But give me wisdom, and he'll lift you up. He loves to do that. He said he loves to pour wisdom on you. Then right after that it says, but don't ask in unbelief. Now, unbelief is when we move. So here's faith and unbelief. Don't ask in unbelief. That is staying with what can I do? How do I fix this with my own hands? But belief is resting. Belief is trusting. So don't go back into why, why, what could I have done, but, and, which leads you into a double-mindedness. But instead, ask for wisdom and rest. Lord, I'm going to trust you in the middle of this. So don't doubt. Rest. Don't grab on the hold of this thing and say, why? What's wrong with me? <clears throat> God, what's wrong with you? Lord, give me wisdom. And I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lean into you. Because we, we wrongly think that faith is performance. Faith is this thing we do. And unbelief is when our performance is not up to standard. I've got to please God. I've got to do these things. But faith is when we trust Jesus and we let go of all of our performance and we just accept the grace of God. Now, I'm talking to a bunch of high performers in the room. So this is hard. You're used to getting somewhere because of your own abilities and talents and intelligence and skills. I want to tell you, there are walls that you're going to hit. There are tests that God has planned for your life that you absolutely cannot make it through. It's going to be impossible. 
You're loved. He understands your situation. And he's going to... Do you want wisdom? You want to get past this? Lord, give me your wisdom. I need your understanding. And I'm going to drop my argument. I'm going to drop my self-rejection. I'm going to drop my anger. And I'm just going to say, show me, Lord. Now, just having problems does not mean you're making progress. You know, there's, there's uh, what, what my wife Susan does is she has tasks. She loves to accomplish tasks. So in the first, she has the first couple of tasks, brush your teeth, make the bed, you know, get out of bed. It's like, <laughs> man, I'm making progress. We are moving. So... Just because you're having problems doesn't mean you're making progress. There's something that has to be added to it. There's a catalyst that has to be added to the equation. Petri dish. I, I, I am not the scientist in the room. So I was like, it's like I'm, I'm really going to mess this up. So, um, but there's something that has to be added. It's, it's a response. So... What is it? It's two things he's speaking about. Joy and perseverance. Message I heard a number of years ago. Joy and perseverance. The power twins. This is, this is the stuff that gets you not only through the trial, but gets you into being changed into the image of God. This is where we're going. This is what it's all about. The joy is I'm moving toward becoming more like Jesus. Do you, does that, is that a high value in your life? If that's not a high value, the trials are worthless. If you're not really identifying with this fact of, of a transformation that gives a revelation of Jesus in your life, then it is depressing. But if you can see that this chemistry is happening in your soul, that's changing you into a person that is Christ-like, that's reflecting the character of God, that's growing in spiritual authority, that's building a crown of life in you that transfers hope to others in their difficulty, then you are joyful. And you persevere. Now, again, we're not counting it all joy for sickness. We're counting it all joy in sickness. We're not saying, thank you, Jesus, for my sickness. Thank you for my headache. Thank you for this relational problem. Thank you for this financial problem. We're saying, thank you, Jesus, for you in the middle of all these things. We're, we are, it's, you know, <clears throat> we... As believers, we think differently from the world. Because of these values, we're saying, uh, I am thankful here. But people may need a little bit of clarity every once in a while. Because if they're thinking, oh, Pollyanna, simplistic person, shallow, not really getting the picture here, they're having problems and they're, they're not really clued in. 
they may need a little bit of clarity on your situation. You know what? The reason I'm encouraged right now is because the one who created me is working something really deep in my life that's building hope in me. And they're going, okay, well, they're not stupid, but they're, I still don't understand them. But you're beginning to open up a window. Our biggest witness, I believe, is you in the middle of a problem in front of unbelievers. I, many times you're thinking, my witness is that I'm happy all the time and I don't have any problems. But I believe your biggest witness is when you are walking through the same things, the same problems, the same challenges as every other person, but there is hope in your heart in the middle of that thing. That it's not your ultimate value. Oh no, a relationship ended and it's not the end of the world? Oh no, I lost a job and it's not the end of the world? Oh no, I didn't get this award or that situation or this bad thing happened to me. And I still have peace and hope. Now, so, yes, it hurts. So, I, in your testimony, you bleed. You have pain. You have challenges. You're sad. You're struggling. But I'm counting all joy because God is at work in me, accomplishing a perfection, a deeper thing in my life. And that's what I want more than anything else. I want more for my wife, more for my family, that I am more like Jesus. I want more for every relationship that I have, that I am more like Jesus. Because that's what I'm wanting to give to other people. I want that type of character to be transferred out. Jesus, do it in me, whatever it takes. Thank you, Lord. Do it. There's joy because the process is accelerating. Thank you, Lord. So, there's perseverance also. And what, is, what does perseverance look like? Perseverance is everything that happens between this prayer that you've asked for, where you say, amen, Father, work this wisdom out in my life. I ask for your transformation here. I ask you to, whatever it is in, in my life, where you're, you're going to, to bring a, a breakthrough, a freedom. Perseverance is between that prayer and there it is. I see it. It's this whole process. Ephesians 6 says, Having done all to stand, stand. Stand, stand. Having done everything to stand, just keep on standing. God has placed us in the space-time continuum. Any of you ever thought, what would it be like outside of time? How would that affect chemistry? How would that affect the physical properties of the universe. How, you know, we, I, I'm imagining we get to fly places. We can just open up history anywhere and look into it. I, you know, but that's not where we are. We are in time and space right now. 
and he uses time to let you cook. To let a certain amount of development happen in your life. So what does that look like? Sometimes perseverance is like, Evie's doing like, you know, bring it on. And sometimes perseverance is, I'm still standing. And sometimes perseverance is, Jesus, help me make it tonight. Just one more minute. Help me, Jesus. So perseverance looks different in different places. So where, where are you in the perseverance continuum? When we're at that desperate place, sometimes it's, the light is darkest just before the dawn. Sometimes there's a process that's involved in your life that's so intense, you are ready to give up. It's over. I've had enough of this. And you need to move to stage three. I need help, Jesus. Help me. I was on my knees. You might need to get your face down touching the ground. I know a man one time, he got on the ground in the dirt on a baseball field and then dug a hole and stuck his face in the hole. (laughs) What does perseverance look like for you? Stand. You know, and times when people are there, I'm, it's what I refer back to, it's precious to be with people that are right there. Don't avoid people that are in that place of standing. Be with them. Deep things are happening in their life. Revelation of God is happening in their lives, in those intense places. People that are tempted intensely, somehow God has shaped their souls in certain places where they're more vulnerable than you are. And that test is hard for them. It's precious what's happening in their lives. Don't avoid them. I have some friends, Dave and Dee Bresman. They have five kids, and we've kind of paralleled our life along with them. We met when we both had preschoolers, little bitty kids. And uh, Dave's a very successful businessman. He was uh, uh, executive VP for a, a... microchip company uh, that had over a billion in sales, and uh, uh, his wife's lovely woman. They're super gracious people. They had a couple of children, and then their third pregnancy, I believe, they uh, found out something was wrong. And ultimately, they, uh, she had full-term pregnancy, gave birth, and the baby died within a few hours. That was hard. It was really complicated. They, they had, you know, it wasn't their first child, but wow. This was so, so painful. But in the midst of that, something really precious happened in their lives. And you couldn't go over to them and say, count it all joy. You could just watch and say, 
What's, what's going to happen here? They took that pain and with tears they, they pressed in and they you just watched something deep and precious happen in their lives. Well, they had another child and then incredibly again they're pregnant and they get the diagnosis whatever the situation is I don't know Susan would know the names of these things perfectly formed baby physically but they knew the doctor said within a few hours the second time this baby is not going to make it so what do they do they're praying for wisdom and they invited their parents in they invited their children in and when she gave birth to that baby, they all got together in one room. And for about eight hours, they just held that child and loved it. Passed it around. And counted it all joy for these few moments that God gave them in this situation. Now, people around were going, you know, the medical team, the people around were just going, what is that? This is the grace of God. This is character of Jesus being developed and formed. And if there's anybody that you want to be with when you're going through pain and difficulty, it's Dave and Dee. They have a crown of life. And what they've walked through in facing trials that were totally out of their control, that they could have blamed God on, that shot out everything in their minds of what you think was good. But they didn't. They persevered. They stayed in the middle of that situation. And they're amazing. They inspire me. I want to be like that. So today, we're going to respond a little bit. I want the band to come up.